Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. You know, before they were legends of outlaw country, they were lost souls looking for their sound. Don't miss Mandy Moore and the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the rise of outlaw country music and its biggest stars. Hear how one woman's vision in her tiny living room, far from Nashville's Music Row, became the epicenter of a musical movement. Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash The Boar's Nest. Hey, it's Amy Brown here to talk about St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. For 60 years, St. Jude doctors and researchers have helped push the overall childhood cancer survivor rate from 20% to more than 80%. But we need your help getting that number to 100%. And most important, your support means that families will never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food. Now, that peace of mind means so much. So join me in helping St. Jude in the fight against childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope and text Bobby to 785-833. That's B-O-B-B-Y to 785 This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. Welcome to episode 374, Jordan Reynolds. Jordan K. Reynolds is his Instagram. If you want to go look at it and see what he looks like as we do it. I always find I like to do that during interviews. I want to see a picture of the face of the person that I'm talking with. But here we are, episode 374. He is a Grammy award-winning songwriter. I mean, he's got two Grammys for 10,000 hours and God only knows by For King and Country. He is a CMA Triple Play Award winner. And that means... He wrote three number one songs in a 12-month period. He wrote Tequila. He wrote Speechless. He wrote All to Myself with and for Dan and Shay. He's got so many number ones. He was just nominated for another Grammy. It's his fifth nomination. And he has won the ACM for Song of the Year in 2019 with Tequila. But I really enjoyed this talk. I really like someone who comes in and challenges me. Not like, I'll show you, let's argue. But who like presents ideas and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Well, what about this? I really enjoyed this talk. I hope you will too. Jordan K. Reynolds is his name. And let's go with another episode of the Bobbycast. I'm in that weird stage. I was over at my house. We just left the radio show, came here. By the way, glad you're here. Are you tired? No. You've kind of got it dialed at this point, probably. Mike, are we tired? I don't really know. I feel this way all the time, <laughs> so I don't know if I'm tired. <laughs> like, is this is tired? How we exist. I think... That's like, a, what time did you get up? That is a really good question. I did not expect for it to stop me in my tracks to go, are you tired? Now, I get sleepy quite often, mm. but I think it would be like asking a bodybuilder who's lifting weight, is that heavy? <laughs> because that's what they do all the time. Wow, and they have to really do good. it at a high level or they don't grow and get stronger. Well, you've been doing this for how long now? Just radio itself in any form since I was 17. Holy crap. Mornings since I was 22. Yeah, that's almost 20 years, bro. Dang. I yeah, know. That's, that's crazy. So I started really, I've been lucky enough to be a grizzled veteran, but I started really young. It's, so that I was think it. The most impressive part about what you do is being tired or whatever it is and still having your brain 
fire because you have to be firing on all cylinders. I wonder how firing my brain would be if I wasn't tired, though. It'd probably be insane. Well, and I appreciate you making it about me, but I don't want to make it about me. But I guess I think it's the end of the year, too. Are you, do you have senioritis a bit um, as, a, as a writer, as a creator? So the last couple of years I've done, like, uh, Thanksgiving through the end of the year. I just block it off. Just to, I usually end up writing, but like it's a good mental thing for me. I mean, you know, like awards week, everything starts slowing down. Everybody's kind of like, all right, we got a couple more weeks. And I'm just like, I think it's just better instead of having like scheduled rights. It's like if somebody is around and we're in town, we're like, let's just get together. Cool. We got another plan. So I, I kind of, I do and I don't because I knew the finish line was already coming. Yesterday was the finish line for me. Nice. So we're, it's the finish line of obligations. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah, good. Yeah, it's yeah, good. I like that. I I don't know. For me, it's never senioritis as much as it is. I got to get all this stuff done by then. Mm. Because we check out. I would never stop. I should. I have a wife, and she makes me. And that's I, a good wife. Yeah. Yes, but it's, it's it, was, it was really tough for me at first. Because my whole life, I've just run as hard as I can. Yeah. Because I feel like I have to, not to prove. To anything anybody else but proved myself and I feel like I have to or I'm not going to be able to maintain success at all. Do you ever worry about if you don't keep writing that you're going to either lose an edge inside of you or people are going to lose the fact that they think right now you're hot and they want to work with you? Of course. Yeah, of course. I think like you get into an industry like this that's so subjective and you think like I am the golden child. I think you have to literally think that. You know, I love that you say that because you have... People will tell me, and I'm, I'm, th- I'm thankful you said that, because I would have said it anyway, but it comes off so much worse if I just come out of nowhere and go like, <laughs> look at me, I'm awesome. And I don't think that, but I say it I say it all the time where a lot of people will go, they'll send me a message or people that are disagreeing with how I do things or they don't like just the show or a TV project to work on. Mm. And they're like, you are just, you're so self-obsessed. You're so self-indulgent. And I'm like, that's my career. Mm. It's either what I'm doing, what I'm thinking, how I feel about it. What It has to be. Yeah. I'm tired of me most of the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think it, it really does. Uh, but, I have to believe I'm, but I have to believe that what I'm saying is good enough to put it out and somebody has, wants to consume it, either with their time or their money. If we're being honest, though, in literally any job ever, you have to have that. If you're the executive at some – because – you're getting you're stepping into a situation where like you're looking at your calendar and you're going I have so much to do. Okay, the only person who can do this is this Bobby. You know like Bobby who is 100% on and doing it and like you have to convince yourself that. But like say you're Elon Musk and you're going into a meeting and you're like sure he's got imposter syndrome. He's the richest man in the world, but like he's been really lucky too. He's going into meetings going like I any decision I make really really affects things and i have to have the confidence to know like i can do this and it doesn't mean like you're egotistical i don't think it just you just have to believe in yourself you know and there is a line and i don't always cross or i don't always walk it correctly (laughs) where confidence and arrogance meet sure and sometimes i don't i'm not quite as confident as i should be sometimes i'm so confident that it comes off as arrogant sometimes i'm really confident in some areas and just insecure as crap in others Yeah, yeah yeah so it could come off where it's like oh stop doing this act where you just you, you hate yourself. No, no, no. There are parts of me that I really sh- I've struggled a long time with yeah. and don't really love and I'm trying to get better. And there are parts of me where I go, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a well-oiled freaking machine. 100%. And I put myself up against anybody. We, we like have this weird thing in our culture where you can't, um, 
you can't fully endorse yourself. You know, like it's it's such a bizarre thing. But we also want people who like know what they're doing. So I think the the ticket to that feels like if you do ride the line, if you overstep and you've stepped into arrogance or whatever, it's like just like you've done, you've done a lot of work on yourself. It's obviously seems like like you can just apologize. You <laughs> know, like that's the cool part of humanity is like anytime we mess up, we can just be like, ah, you know what? Remember that thing I said? I didn't mean that, you know? Yeah, a lot our culture of, doesn't allow completely for that, but our culture thing. doesn't really allow nuance. What's and you make a great oh, point man. where yeah. it's like, yes, people want this, but they also don't want this, but they want this. But at the same time, it doesn't allow nuance at all. So yeah, you're yeah. kind of you're just fist fighting the wind. Yeah, that's right. That you can't really win. Oh yeah. Everything's nuanced. Religion, you know, music, everything. Yeah. Yet there isn't room for it. In the world that we live in, because the loudest folks are those that don't live nuanced. Yeah. There's a, you know, it's pretty black and white. Yeah. The, there are some situations that I've been in, and I'll talk about it now. And I really haven't talked about this at all, but I feel like I can safely talk about this with you. You're a super bright guy. Um, whenever Morgan got into trouble, mm-hmm. and I came on the air the next morning, and I'll just talk about stuff. Yeah. And I, I got on the air, and it's all on YouTube still to this day. I never pulled it. And I said, Here's what's up. He's got to go away for a little bit. I don't think we should cancel because I don't believe in canceling folks, but I do believe in second chances. And I do. So I do this thing where I say, we're not canceling him, but he can't just stay right now. So I get crushed from, for the sake of it, we'll call it the woke side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, no, you cancel him right now. He's gone. Or you are the problem. Mm -hmm. The other side, we'll call the non-woke side. Mm -hmm. They're going, you don't tell him to go away. He stays right here, yeah, and you're, you're no te- consequence. Yeah, there, and you I'm, can't win. Yeah. And I'm going in my mind, and I haven't read any blogs. I just say what I feel because I don't want to be shifted by someone else's perspective. Mm. I tell my story. I talk about what how it's affected me. How I don't even understand how it's affected others because I don't live the life of somebody that's not me. Mm-hmm. I explain my education, yet my ignorance. And I try to make sure everybody knows that. And then I say, here's my opinion. He, and I know Morgan. Yeah, yeah. And I like Morgan. And I've liked Morgan. And I said, but this is bad. It's a mess up. He's got to go learn. Yeah. And he's got to come back. But I I was, sensibility has no allies. No, it doesn't. And it sucks. Well, I think what you don't see though, and what you don't hear as loud, is all the people who totally agree with you. Don't hear it all. Think about like politically even, you know, in the, realm that we're all in it's like my generation doesn't know what to think because we're like um i'm not far right i'm not far left i believe this and i believe that like but like you're not allowed to like if if you say you are this thing then you are also all these other things there's no nuance so i just think a lot more people fall in the middle on those things and just wholeheartedly agree like yeah people shouldn't just be canceled like it's like throw jesus in here it's like throw the first stone draw the line throw the first stone he without sin (laughs) you know like all these people who are like the loudest probably about canceling him i don't know it's like all right well what did what have you done perfectly you know yeah and let's also there are consequences to things yeah there's consequences absolutely i was crushed it was a nightmare for me and i just sucks i didn't expect to have no but and i don't care if people come out and support me because i've built a career off just saying how i feel and dealing with it good or bad yeah yeah but i didn't feel like everyone that would reach out meaning 
uh, folks through social media. Yeah. Everybody would be against me because yeah. those are the people that that say stuff though, like people that are bold and loud and. Yep. But even that with the arrogance and the confidence, fine line. And if I win the middle, mm -hmm. then what? It's like, well, then who are you? What the? It's it's difficult and nuance is not really. Ex I won't say accepted. Nuance is not really encouraged. It's everything, dude. Everything is nuanced. Yeah, it's fascinating. When you talk about politics, you know, I I don't say I'm down the middle, but I definitely say I do things and enjoy things on both sides. 100%. I'm not down the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not. But did I grow up with guns in a small rural town in Arkansas? And I see that as a tool. I also know it can be a weapon, but do I see it as a tool and we need it to survive? Absolutely. Yeah. Do I also think with guns... We shouldn't let idiots get guns, and they should have to go through a process a little harder than... Absolutely. That's nuanced. That yeah. is... Yes. <laughs> You're taking a little bit of both sides. And I will yeah. scream this, and I will say, hey, look, if we want to drive a car, which I'll, I'll drive a car to work, got a license. Yeah. When I had to drive an 18-wheeler for my Nat Geo show, I had to go and get a different license because it was bigger, and oh, it yeah. could do more damage. Yep. And so when I have a 12-gauge, but then I want to go to one of these... Okay, I'm not a big fan of that gun, but I'm not going to say my... My ability, my what I say goes. So okay, let's say that gun still exists. Yeah. But you should probably have to get that eighteen wheeler license to be able to do that. <laughs> yeah. Crushed. And I think it's like the easiest thing. That's huh. common sense. Oh yeah. It's common sense. But yes, it is tough. And how, where would you put your confidence? Like when people meet you or work with you a couple of times, how do they feel about you, your general demeanor? Because you are a guy who's done a lot, succeeded at a very high level, a confident person. Does it ever come across as too humble or too 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 confident even? Man, that is great. I I don't know how people perceive me, honestly, completely. But, like, I think something that I try to do is create, like, a comfortable space where people can, like you're doing right now, have a healthy conversation. Have you met with Laura Belts? Oh, yeah. Recently nominated for... Love Laura. Songwriter of the Year in the yeah. Grammys. Unreal. Uh, she's been a dear friend of mine. We kind of got started at a similar time. You know, she's a little before me, but... Something I've really respected about our relationship is, and if every writing relationship could be like this, I just wish it. And this is what I try to create. But we have, we come from very different places. We have very different views on things a lot of times, but we can sit and have a conversation. And I mean, talk about the world in general. Like, that's what's missing is we're so scared of things that we don't understand. And it's generally not as scary as you think. And there's nuance. Like, it's, I mean, I remember growing up and thinking, totally black and white in certain things that now I'm like, oh my gosh. I mean, I just had no empathy for these things or I didn't know that side of the story. Because there was no exposure probably. No exposure. That's been it for me too. Yep. Right. The it, more exposure I get to things, the more I have an empathy or an understanding that I don't understand. Totally, dude. I mean, it's it's everything. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, I've definitely, I think I can feel it. I feel like the arrogance and confidence thing. But generally speaking, I try, like, I mean, songwriting is such a service industry um, it's, it's kind of similar to what you do. Like you're really good at making other people look good. It's like, that's kind of my job too, um, is find like a tasteful way to pull out the best things in an artist or best thing in other songwriters. <clears throat> so I think to do that, you have to create an environment where people are just like totally feel like they're safe to say whatever they need mm -hmm. to say. They can be who they want to be. And, you know, at, at past a certain level, you know, like we're, we're trying to write like hit songs. We're just not trying to finish a song anymore, you know? So we have to really be nuanced in how we create an environment that feels safe enough to do that. You know what I mean? You grew up in the Midwest? Yep. What was home like growing up as a kid? Um, so both my parent, my dad was a music pastor at a pretty big church in St. Louis and like 
we did that all growing up. So I was a PK, pastor's kid, that is. Um, so both my parents are musicians. They never did it like on a bigger scale. I think they would have. Um, but did they, they try? They actually were in a like a tour. I say that right out of college um, or high school, they went in this like internationals, I think was the name. And they went around and like did acapella music for kind of all over the world. But they got to experience how hard it is though. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, they, they knew. Yeah. But that was the beauty of it too. Is like, I never, I, I came here and went to Belmont and I never once thought like a creative job was out of the question just because I saw my dad do it. You know, I saw my parents doing things that were not, my dad is just not the typical dad. You know, my mom's not the typical mom. It's like, there was a lot of freedom to be like, all right, you want to quit taking piano lessons? That's cool. I don't care. You know, like Usually it's one of two ways. That's interesting that he was like that because you get parents that are jaded mm-hmm. by the experience or the art, even if they're sure. still in it, and go, man, I don't want you to do this. I, yeah, I already sensed that temptation because we've, we've been on the roller coaster of it and seen like the super highs and the super lows, and you're just like, ooh, I don't know. But in the same breath, I see like the positive side. I'm just so pro, like, whatever our kids end up wanting to do, like, just letting them do it. Like, they're going to be smart kids, and they're going to figure it out. Like, I mean, I applied to one school, which is just not crazy <laughs> to think about, but I just was like, that's what yeah. my parents like. We trust that's where he wants to go, and he's going to, you know, if that's what he wants to do. And it worked out, but, yeah. I, it's like trusting that our kids will do the, do the same. But. Did you do music because, A... Like intrinsically, it's just an existence in you. You think maybe genetically because it was in them, or mm. and and is the answer can even be there can even be nuance to this answer. Mm. Or do you think because of your mom or dad and their love for music, you wanted their love, so you did what they love, which mm. actually encouraged you to love it more. Wow, what a question, man! You're great at asking questions. That's a good that's a good talent to have too. Um. Maybe both, maybe a little bit of both. I, I definitely grew up, so I grew up playing classical violin. Like in third grade, we had to play an instrument, and it was violin. Did, so, you, did you choose violin? I don't remember choosing anything. I just feel like one day I had a violin. <laughs> <laughs> and then I looked up senior year, and I was like, I've been doing this for a long time. Um, it, I think like music stuff always came natural. I honestly didn't think about it. I hate, it sounds like braggy saying that. I just, I honestly didn't see myself. So I don't know if you know Cody Fry. Mm-mm. He, um, good buddies with Ben Rector, that crew, he played for him. He's, dude, I met at Belmont, just like freak. He's a prodigy dude, like just genius level musician. And I'd be like, oh, those dudes are musicians. Wait, is yeah. he is he playing with Ben on his next? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah I, I mean, I talked to Ben this morning. Ben and I are really close friends. Oh, crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so I would see those dudes as like musicians. I'm like, oh, Cody's a musician. He knows every single thing. He can, you know, whatever. And so it wasn't really till college I started going like, oh, I think I do have something kind of innately in me. Like I think there's something in me that just like has to get out. And it's wild too because songwriting, I mean, before I moved to Nashville, I did not know songwriting existed. Like I was, I didn't think about it. I didn't care. So you like, didn't come here to be a songwriter. You came here for, uh, I don't know, finger quotes music? Yeah. I mean, I, so I got to senior year of high school and I mean, I had literally, I'd just done like hardcore classical violin that was like my life what did you think that was going to lead to was it going to stop like like i played football until 12th grade and i played a lot but i knew it was stopping after 12th grade the moment i knew i so they have those like all state orchestras or whatever the things and i just i'm like 
I love being around people. I like a deep connection. I like a good conversation. So I went to this Allstate thing in, in senior year, and it's literally just all about what chair you're sitting in. Like, and if you're sitting at the closer chair, you know, to the people, that means you are better than the person next to you, whatever, as you go up the line. So <clears throat> there just wasn't a lot of like relationship in any of that. And I just remember thinking, I went to this thing and I was like, I tried to talk to my stand partner and they were just kind of like, didn't want anything to do with it. And I was like, I don't think this is the right place for me. I love music and I don't do it. So I owe a lot of credit to my oldest brother, Josh. He, uh, he's a like a freak audio guy. He's been with Little Big Town doing front of house for them for like over 10 years. He engineers their records and stuff now. But at the time he was like, why don't you just come to Belmont and like do, do a vocal degree? Because a girl he was dating at the time was a voice major. It's so weird to think of all the things that hang in the balance. Did you sing though? I like had sung at church. You know, I was in a band, but like loose. I, I didn't, I had no idea what I was doing. And so in my rationale, I was like, all right, well, I can teach myself to play instruments. I can't really teach myself to sing right. So, I mean, dude, it's wild thinking like, <laughs> I just went and was a voice major. So me and Russell Dickerson were like in the same major, same time. And we're the only two guys who graduated with that degree at the time, too. Because everybody usually drops out. Like, That's what funny. am I supposed to do with this degree? Yeah. So wait, so you finished it? We finished. You got a voice degree? I sure do, yeah. Did you, in that process of getting a voice degree, do you study songwriting at all? Or do you just study to sing better? This, yeah, it's mostly just singing better. So it's a commercial voice degree, which means anything but classical. But you also, the first two years, all you study is classical, which is hilarious. Um yeah, it's basically just to like be, I mean, honestly, the I would do these panels of like per, per, perspective, whatever that word is, students and their parents would come in and they would ask us, parents would straight up ask, what are you going to do with a voice major? And I just made something up. I mean, I don't even remember what I said. At this point, I would be more honest and be like, I don't really know. You know, uh, one of my good friends, Kristen Rogers, I think is probably doing like the epitome of what you can do with a voice major. And she's like unbelievable BGV. She's like, sings with everybody like she is like a professional singer you but know? did she need that voice degree no I or mean, or yeah the second part of that is did the process of getting that degree help her achieve the level that she needed or yeah did it just bring her here and then she did it while she was here i mean who knows i i think i'm i'm such a i'm so pro i wouldn't change anything because everything got you exactly what you needed but like i you know yeah, I what mean, what do you learn though? I, and I'm asking because I have a dumb degree too. Yeah, well, no, yours, is isn't, yours isn't dumb, but I'm saying I have no, a degree that, dumb, people, yeah, that yeah. people classify as. And, and I also now say it's a waste. And oh, I think yeah. I was talking to some guys last time, and I said I went and spoke at a college and said, "Don't you're here for this degree? Don't do it. Get out. Get something else." Because <laughs> I know, yeah. And they they told me not to come back. It was a whole situation, which is kind of a blessing in disguise, you know. Yeah, sure. less less things to do. In every pair of Tacova's boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. A great pair of Western boots will elevate a casual look or add a refined flair that'll draw both eyes and compliments. Tacova's boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they'll last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tacova store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. They offer custom branding and leather stamping if you want to personalize your boots or fine leather goods. And stay cool in short-sleeve moisture-wicking pearl snap or make your own shade with one of their classic straw hats 
new in both men's and women's styles. And if you're planning to hit the road, Tacova's ever-growing lineup of rugged and full-grain leather bags will get you where you're headed in style and are built to last decades. Visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. Tacovas.com. And don't go gently, y'all. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How do the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer shaped the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed as The Boar's Nest, Sue's place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, that's where they would spur each other and tap into something bigger and something realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Backrack as Shel Silverstein and T.J. Osborne as Johnny Cash alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the boar's nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The boar's nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. Hey, it's Amy Brown here to talk about the incredible work that's being done by St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and to ask you today to join me in becoming a partner in hope. When you make a donation to St. Jude, you're helping an organization that has helped push the overall childhood cancer survivor rate from 20% to more than 80%. And I can tell you from personal experience, that number and the hope that it brings is invaluable. Families do not have to worry about a thing. Treatment is covered, travel, housing, food. And when you're a family that's going through this, like, imagine, you're a parent, your kid gets cancer. You need to focus on that child. You don't need to be worrying about other things. And financial stuff can get really stressful. St. Jude covers it. Your support means families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment. And when you sign up for just $19 a month, you're going to get the new This Shirt Saves Lives tee. So join me in helping St. Jude in the fight against childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope and text Bobby to 785-833. That's B-O-B-B-Y to 785-833. Um, so I have radio television, but I started when I was 17. And then I, you know, I, then I, I wrote in college as well. But it was a, I, I was already doing it. Yeah, That's yeah, what yeah. I tell people to do. Just go do it. Well, and that, that was always the thing at Belmont. There was the Belmont bubble. You know, it's like we did the showcases and stuff, which was fun. And it did bring some cool opportunities, but... For the most part, it was always like there were the people who did everything Belmont. There were the people who did things outside of Belmont. And that was the experience. It's just, I was just telling somebody the other night, like we're just getting to the place now where our friends from Belmont have like kind of powerful positions now at companies and it's kind of starting to pay off. You're like, I remember when I knew none of these A&R people and now these A&R people are my friends and I can be like, hey man, you should check out this song for Dustin Lynch. You know, like that makes it so much easier Mm -hmm. and more fun and it just feels like a family, so... Yeah, I think I think going through the I needed college. I needed those four but years. Do you learn to, to sing out. better? Like, what's the point? Oh, you definitely do. Yeah, I had a my um, my voice teacher's name is Jamie Wigginton, and he's, in my opinion, one of the best. Did you want to be a over- singer when you finished? Uh, I know you did music. I've listened to the EP. I've heard I've heard your stuff, right? Yeah. But I wonder what you learned about yourself in the process. Was it because obviously you're having to start songwriting at some point? You didn't yeah, know yeah. that was a thing. Yeah. You're singing. You're recording. You 
like were you just experimenting? Definitely. I was flying by the seat of my pants. I was having a blast. Just I was like playing for people. Um, I worked at a church for a few years and I was leading worship there. So it's like I was using my degree, but I would genuinely just like, I'm just going to stumble into something. I think I knew like I wanted to be, I did a lot of demo work, like acoustic stuff early on. That's how I first met, first met John Osborne, like before Brothers Osborne was doing anything, you know, playing sessions and stuff. And man, I stumbled hard into songwriting. I just had no idea. Like I, I, I it's impossible for me to like give advice to younger people because I'm like, I don't know what you do. You know, like move to Nashville and just start writing songs. You know, it's like, that's the first place. Are you an eternal optimist? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I feel it. Yeah. And you're going, you know, I just felt like I'd stumble into something. Oh, yeah. So in your mind, is it just going to work out? 100%. It's always going to work out. <laughs> it's interesting. I, yeah. I, I, feel the, Are, I feel the opposite. Eternal pessimist. It, oh, man. I wish there was a word for longer. Fascinating. Than I love... You, have you met Jordan Minton? Another songwriter in town. He's coming. He's got a couple hits. I have not. One of my best buddies. He is the same way. And we have the best conversations because we view things. I'll be so shocked. I'll be like, wait, what do you mean it's not? Of course it's going to work out, you know? I believe it's going to work out for others. Mm. I Nothing works out for me. That's fascinating. Yeah, nothing works out for me. And if it does, it's because it has had to fail 73 times. And I am just tenacious enough to mm. last, to finally make it work out. That's my Gosh, mind. that's fascinating, yeah. Completely. It's like, and nope, it's not getting going to work. Whatever we're doing ain't going to work. So does that mean like you're constantly, are you anxious about the future? Where does your uh, brain... Oh, completely. Yeah. Absolute, an- absolutely anxious about yeah, yeah. everything. I think I'm going to get sick and die. Yeah. I think I'm going to... The big issue that I've had... What's in, your Enneagram number? Uh, eight. You're an eight? Yeah. How fascinating. Is that the dictator? Yeah. Yeah. It's the... Uh, uh, yes. I'm that one. That's I'm, a, I'm an eight, and my I'm really close to a one. Like it mm. was like so close to being a one. The perfectionist. Yeah, I'm a challenger. That's what I am. Yeah, that's the eight. I would challenge. Oh, I love an eight. Um, I'll challenge you if I think I know I'm wrong. I'm like, oh yeah, you think that's right? Well, I know that that's not right, but I'm gonna challenge you to You're make like, sure. Bobby, I just agreed with you. And then, yeah, but I'm gonna make sure. <laughs> um, but I feel like it isn't going to work itself out until I have to break it. Figure out how to put it back together uh, in its own way that allows me to work it out. That is just, it blows my mind. And I'm sure it's trauma. Yeah, yeah. Something taught you that somewhere along the way. Or it's love or lack or, you know, mm. all these things that we have no idea how they've affected us and when they've affected us. Sure, yeah. But, yeah, my my wife, who grew up uh, different than me, she's from a small town in Oklahoma, and I grew up in a small town in Arkansas, so we have that in common. They're actually pretty close. Mm. Uh, her mom and dad are still together, and they're awesome. I never had parents. And mm. so it was like learning a new language. Oh, yeah. And what she struggles with with me, and I, I totally understand her not understanding, which I think for me that's a valuable lesson is I now can understand I don't understand things and why other people can't understand things mm-hmm. is that I'm always freaking out that I'm not going to be able to pay bills soon. And she's like, you're good for the rest of your life. <laughs> you're going to be fine. And yeah. I'm like, but I don't think you understand. What if, what if? She goes, okay. But she has the, the hardest time of understanding that all my trauma is rooted in I, I can't go back to how it was. Yeah, I will never go back. Yeah, And, and I think that's mm. a lot of that is there. Now, I'm a positive person. I am someone who pursues it and yeah, love it yeah. Yeah, yeah. and put it up and show everybody. Yeah, yeah. Like somebody like yourself, I'd praise you around town like, this is Jordan, everybody. I put you up on those big speakers like, hey, this is Jordan Reynolds. Most probably, you should love him. Because <laughs> I love it. I just oh, yeah. I wish that was more me. Yeah, man. But I know it. Like I know myself. 
Oh yeah. Do you feel like you know your, you know yourself now at this point? Do you like yourself? I'm starting to learn myself definitely better. I, I'm starting to like believe things for myself. I feel like most people do that like in their 20s. Mine didn't really hit till like 30s. Um, what has really like kind of made me lock into like the, some of these things. But speaking of Ben Rector, he he posted some song the other day, and like the, one of the lyrics said, like I'm, I started, I've stopped blaming my parents for everything or whatever it was. And we have two kids now; they're young. It's like three and one. But I already can kind of see some of these things. You know, we talk about yes, I think trauma does absolutely affect us in certain ways. But there are certain things that are like innately in us, mm-hmm. like we we're talking about, like with. The difference between my little boy and my little girl already, I can be like, oh my gosh. I mean, like, we didn't teach. My little boy will get like, he'll run into the wall face first. I mean, he is bleeding from his nose. And he'll just be, we'll be like, buddy, are you okay? And he's like, I'm fine, I'm fine. I'm like, you're not fine. Was that you? Um, I don't know. I actually don't know. I didn't ask my mom. But we've never taught him, like, hey, suck it up. You know, like, don't, don't show your emotions. If anything, we are on the other side of that. So, like, some of those things, you like, you know, you just don't, you can't teach. Like, maybe it's just in us and we yeah, just have Nature it. nurtures a super, like, I, I'm so intrigued and even curious about myself because I, I never knew my dad. He left when I was five. Hmm. And so, but I will run into people from time to time back home that will go, oh, you're just like him. That is wild. You, yeah. You're, oh, yeah. You're, 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 you're quick like him. You, you do da, 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 da. Multiple things. And I'm like, well, that's weird. I didn't get it from them because I was around them. Yeah. So whatever it is, it's kind of embedded inside of. That stuff is wild. And I wonder too, like some of that stuff like skips around generations and you're like, oh, you're just like your great grandfather or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like some of that stuff just shows up. I don't know. Your parents, are they, they still, they're still with us? Alive? Still with us. Yeah. Yeah. They actually moved um, to Hendersonville about 10 years oh, ago. Oh, they're here. Yeah. Ish. So they're here. So my oldest brother's here. They're in like Goodlettsville. Um, Only other sibling? Uh, no, I've got another one. His name's Jeremy. He is. He was in the UK for a bunch of years. He's an actor and does did a lot of theater stuff. And, so artsy. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it is kind of wild. Um, but I think so much of that is just the belief thing. It's like we all knew we could do it because our parents did it. But, but also the energy that your parents put into letting... Because it takes a lot of work for for them to express and prove to you guys that you can go and do the work and do whatever you want. Oh, yeah. Like that's that's a lot of energy from them just to be able to convince you guys that if you do the work, you can do whatever. Oh yeah, well, I think too. There's some beauty of growing up. Like we weren't, we were lower middle class, you know. And I don't say that to shame my parents. I say it to congratulate my parents. We had an amazing childhood, you know. Like there was, it was a beautiful childhood. And my parents did everything they could to make it amazing. I never felt like I missed out on anything. Um, but there's like a beauty to growing up with nothing, essentially, you know, like we didn't have to go on vacation or anything. Because when I got out into college, like there was no expectation of like, well, you better start making six figures. You know, like that was never, that's still my parents don't give a crap. You know, they don't care what we're making. Like they just want us to be doing what we love. And like that, that I can already like sense that like, oh, is this going to be different for my kids now? Because they're going to grow up with a little more means and that. Like I, we're just trying to be very intentional about like, not letting that stuff pass off because I think there's some beauty in going like, you don't need to do what dad did to be successful. Like, that just doesn't matter. I already know that, you know, success. Have you read um, Psychology of Money? Mm-mm. Um, but as money, I usually uh, 
I'm scared of it and don't read it and go, wow. <laughs> just let somebody else do it. I, I mean, business I, managers, they're great. Yeah. <laughs> yes. If Now, I struggled with that big time. Oh, yeah. Just paying somebody to look at, have my money, I, have talk access about to money. letting go of control. Oh, it was the hardest. Yeah, I, I couldn't, but I'm going to, you're, you're going to have access to all my, wait, what? And I'm going to pay you to have access? Yeah. And, oh, it was a tough <laughs> And one. other people do this? Yeah. I, I mean, I probably spent multi, multiple therapy sessions. Just talking about that. On that. Well, it's funny because I, well, yeah, talk about a difference in our brain. I, when we, because we have just started working with business management in the last few months, and instantly, I mean, I had a, like, my body had a reaction of us having, in a positive way. Like, I, w- I didn't realize how anxious and stressed I was trying to do it all on my own until we gave it to them. I'm like, within the week, my stomach started feeling better, all these things, because I was just like, you know what? It's going to be great now because I don't have to deal with it. <laughs> I love it. I do. I, it's just I, wild. Yeah. Yeah. That, I'm, I'm envious that, that you can do that. And I'm trying to get better at that. Yeah. It's right? tough. Because, because it has worked out. You know, I'll be honest. I can do that too. I can look at myself and go, you know what you say, but. Well, here's the danger of being an eternal, eternal optimist because it, it's, it is like, it's cool. I like right? this. Let's do dangers of what yeah, we are. Yeah. Danger. Let's do, po- let's do pros and cons. This is good. Do pros first. What's, what's the pro of being an eternal optimist? Um, anything is possible. Like any room, like when I go in to write a song, I, I say this out loud. I'll say, there is no reason why we cannot write song of the year today. There's no reason. I mean, like, look at, I mean, I remember going, like when we wrote Tequila, like we weren't even in that headspace yet. And like that can happen. So it's like, gosh, now that we're trying to do it, like we can definitely do it. You know what I mean? Like, so that's the positive. Anything's possible. Any right, any combination of people, mm-hmm. anything. We can make it work. All right. Let me do um, positive. Yeah, you go. Here's positive of being eternal. Uh, pessimist you, you're never disappointed mm. because you are well it's gonna happen anyway you're i'm i'm almost never disappointed because wow i already don't expect it to work out so when it doesn't yeah duh that's what i said <laughs> and you almost I told you yeah, yeah and you and you rarely mm. get hurt because mm. you already expect the worst to happen because it has before it'll happen again so you're almost never disappointed and you're never hurt so you mm. you you you're protected. Yeah. By the way, I'm not saying this is the way to go. I'm just saying this is my, this is the positive no, part that is, yeah. about that. I totally get that. Yeah. Okay, go with the opposite side of yours. Okay, so like speaking of business management, um, I'm telling my friend who's an eight, one of my best buddies. I'm telling him like, because <clears throat> I'm so excited about this. I'm like, dude, we're gonna do business management. They're gonna take everything. Like, I don't have to think about it again. And his first thought, I'm thinking he's gonna be like, dude, that's awesome. He's like. Yeah, so who audits them? And I was like, what do you mean? Why don't I, I don't have to audit them? He's like, dude, they have complete control over your finances. And I was like, I didn't look at it that way. So the danger can be, and, and you know, I'm like cautious. I would say I'm more, depending on the situation, I'm more cautiously optimistic. Like when it comes to an investment, like the uh, a pro of that, like we got into 30A because I was just like, Let's do it. You know, like we're going to do it and took an aggressive move and it really paid off to be down there. But then after that, I had to sit and go, this is not going to happen again, most likely. So let's now be cautiously optimistic and not just throw everything at the wall and it's all going to stick, you know, like, so that those are the, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like you can get yourself in trouble thinking everything's going to work out because realistically not everything's going to work out. You buy a lot of crypto. And I bought some. And, uh, it might be working out, though. You know it ain't going to work out. It might work eventually. I'm telling you, it ain't going to work out. <laughs> <laughs> I know. 
I don't really um, have any crypto though. So my okay, here's the the bad part about being an eternal pessimist is that it's hard to find real joy. Mm, hard to celebrate. Oh, I, oh no no no! I never. I mean, ooh yeah, that's tough. It's t- it is. I will tell you though, it's hard to celebrate for an optimist too, because I think part of it is like you think your best days are yet to come, and you're like, oh, this is oh, this wow. is cool, but this is not. This is not going to be the biggest thing we've ever done. And then you look back on <laughs> things and you go like, Never thought about that was like pretty that. big. Maybe I should have just been excited when that was happening. Like that's, that's where my brain goes. And my wife, talk about a good wife. Like she's so good about small things now. You know, like going, hey, we just, or the other night, Dustin Lynch FaceTimed me on a Friday night. And he was just, I pick up the thing and he's playing this new song that me and Devin Dawson and Lisa Vanderheim wrote. And it, jacked me up i don't like i feel like i wouldn't normally i'd be like oh, okay cool yeah he's cutting a song you know that's great but is it gonna be a single i don't know how you do you know whatever so in those moments like that moment i sat back down on the couch and i was like i'm so fired up right now like this song that i love dustin lynch just facetimed me he's in love with it zach Crowell loves it this is sick you know like and my wife was like way to go that's awesome you know nice. like, this is cool you're celebrating this moment i was like i'm gonna be excited about this like you know, it, so that's that's where it can get celebrating. I think either way is is tricky. It is tricky for and different I, reasons. And I think if it's something cool, one, well, this ain't never gonna happen again. Where mm. you're like, well, surely there's another. There's not, there's something bigger coming, and I'm like, well, this is it. This is uh, this is probably it. Surely this is the the top of the mountain. But my again, my wife, who has been such a great, I won't even say counterbalance. I think she's just been, she's added complete. Elements of complete balance where I have oh, yeah. none. Elements, because I'm definitely not there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she will force me to, even if I don't fully accept it, mm. hear and recognize why mm. some little moments should be acknowledged. And sometimes she won't even make me say the word celebrate. But she'll be like, okay, cool. Well, we're not going to be so pumped, but we're going to at least acknowledge right now this. Even if it means, I mean, small things. Like, my wife doesn't drink. I don't really drink that much. You know, like, so, like, alcohol is always the first celebration, I feel like, for most people. It's like, hey, we're going to, like, make a nice meal tonight. Or we're going to go out to dinner tonight. And it's, like, it's not that big of a deal, but we're going to do something to remember how this felt. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. that's just, I think it's necessary. I don't want to get the end of all of this and be like, man, I just just didn't celebrate. I didn't, I wasn't excited. And, like, and all these people (laughs) looking at our lives and going, like, what? You weren't excited about that stuff? Like... How could you not enjoy that, you know? I get that from her. How, why are you not enjoying this? Yeah. Like, we'll go on a trip. And not in a shameful way. No, you know, not like, at all. Man, it's like, come on, this is awesome, you know? My wife is very much like, hey, bro, like, why do you work so hard all the time and kill yourself and have these huge goals if you have every, every once in a while can't actually celebrate, like, can't have some of the spoils oh, that you've yeah. worked for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we'll be, well, you know, we'll go on a trip. Things I thought I would never be able to do in my life. Mm. And she'll go, look, look, look what we get to do because this is what you, like, so relax. Oh, yeah. So going back to the psychology of money thing, um, this guy said this, and I I feel like I have to repeat it to myself weekly, but he said, he interviewed all these billionaires, and the book is amazing in general, but he, um, he's like, what is success? What is wealth? What is success? He asked all these people, and they said, the ability to wake up, and do what you want to do with who you want to do for as long as you want to do it. And that is true success. You could do that making 30 grand a year. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, um, 
But that's like the beauty. Yeah, going back to like this, enjoying the spoils of it. Yeah, there's almost like a thing in our culture of like, well, you're doing it. You're right. So ride it all the way out, you know, all the way, like take full advantage of it. And in the meantime, you're like not getting to spend any time with your wife or your kids or whatever, you know, like, it's like, you got to enjoy it. You know, like yeah, that, that is the point of all of it, you know, like in, in the balance of it. In every pair of Tacova's boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. A great pair of Western boots will elevate a casual look or add a refined flair that'll draw both eyes and compliments. Tacova's boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they'll last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tacova store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. They offer custom branding and leather stamping if you want to personalize your boots or fine leather goods. And stay cool in short sleeve moisture wicking pearl snap or make your own shade with one of their classic straw hats, new in both men's and women's styles. And if you're planning to hit the road, Tacova's ever-growing lineup of rugged and full-grain leather bags will get you where you're headed in style and are built to last decades. Visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. Tacovas.com. And don't go gently, y'all. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How did the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer shaped the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed as The Boar's Nest, Sue's place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, that's where they would spur each other and tap into something bigger and something realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Backrack as Shel Silverstein and T.J. Osborne as Johnny Cash alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the boar's nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The boar's nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the kids at St. Jude. St. Jude's been leading the way in the world's best survival rates for some of the most aggressive forms of childhood cancer. Your support means that families never get a bill from St. Jude for treatment or travel or housing or food so the families can focus on helping their child live. And that really hits home for me because I've been to St. Jude many times. I've hung out with the kids, played music for the kids. I was in the hospital a lot as a kid. Now, I didn't have cancer, but if it wasn't for people stepping up, I don't know that I would have been able to go and stay in the hospital and be taken care of. So that's why we do this, take care of others. You can help St. Jude stop childhood cancer by becoming a partner in hope. When you do this, you'll get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. So join all the doctors and researchers, you know, and me in this fight and just text the word Bobby to 785-833. It's only six numbers, but text the word Bobby to 785-833. You got a couple Grammys. Uh, yeah, we got one. I mean, I thought you got one for uh, maybe two. Well, you, so Dan and Shay won for uh, that counts ten thousand hours. Tequila and ten thousand hours. Yeah, yeah, you didn't get both. You don't win both. And speechless, maybe. So okay, so are you loosely associated? You're loosely associated with how many Grammys? <laughs> uh, I think like three or four. Okay, but you have one physical one that. Well, that I have one physical. Like, we just got nominated yesterday. For, I saw. Uh, 
uh, another Christian Grammy. Yeah. King Country, right? Yeah, for King Country. That's awesome. So random. Yeah. Um, Why? Ben Vaughn, you know, or Warner uh-huh. Travel. He uh, he came to me and Josh Kerr. It was like a couple years ago. Hey, um, he's like, you guys are you guys are Christians, right? And you you write music. You should <laughs> you should get together with for King Country. And I was like, I know that math makes sense in your head, but I don't write Christian songs. Like, so this could be a train wreck. And literally the first day we got together, we wrote the song God Only Knows that ended up winning the Grammy. It was like, just started this insane, like super cool. I, you know, I'm, CCM is so tricky for me. CCM. Contemporary Christian music. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Now you're in. Now you're in the biz. It can come across cheesy if you're not careful. And so I think like what's cool about those guys, is they just do such a good job of making like real good music. Like it's really good. We have great conversations about life with those guys. I just love making music with those dudes. They're just wholesome dudes. You do, you, the, you cut the track, it's out whatever was it a success in that world as a, just a song yeah it was like i think it was like a 14 week number one oh that's su- that's success yeah but but that world is a little different than country it's like what country used to be kind of 14 weeks so at anything yeah i mean if i'm pl- playing madden and i'm i win 14 super bowls against the computer on rookie mode i'm still like that's pretty freaking good that's pretty good yeah, yeah. it man i don't i i can't actually pretend to completely understand that side of the industry but like um yeah, it was a it was a pretty big success in that world, and it's just cool. I mean, man, I don't. I feel like in songwriting, I have to do a lot of different things to keep me interested or inspired, you know. And so those have been just like super fun ways to feel inspired, and you know, like we come into it not being Christian writers and go like, "What if we said this?" And like, gosh, we would never say that in this. You know what I mean? Like. That's kind of how I felt getting into country. It was like, I don't know the country lingo that well growing up in St. Louis. I've got some country grandparents, you know, but like I had to like kind of fake my way through it till I knew what was going on. But I also had something to say that all the country people didn't have to say, you know what I mean? So there's, it's like harnessing that piece of you that's a little different. That's okay, you know? Was your first, I know your first number one was tequila. Hopefully I'm right on this. Yeah. But was yeah. that your first single? That was my first single. Are you kidding me? It was your first single and your first number one? Man, we went tequila, speechless, all to myself, 10,000 hours. Glad, uh, I think I should probably go to bed before that. And then, like, glad you exist. We had this ride, and I knew it wasn't real. This <laughs> like, is like 30A. Like, all right. Yes. We got in <laughs> We got in at the right time. Yeah. You know, like, it, it set horribly unrealistic expectations, even though I knew it shouldn't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I just had incredibly unrealistic expectations it's crazy that was your first single i'm not even talking about number one because it was such a massive song yeah. and i will also say with complete bias we're very close to abby and dan yeah yeah yeah. and dan s- said he's gonna stop by by the way great so. i mean <laughs> he's around the corner he probably knows the code i mean mm-hmm. we're my wife and abby are like be- best of friends so we're so that being said i still that tequila was such a donut Dunna, dunna. And then the freak, the jaws just attacked. That yeah. shark was so big for so mm. long. It was a real staple of that year in country music. Yeah. And that's your first single. It was crazy. I remember. Um, Can you even appreciate it? Yeah. No. No, definitely not. I mean, I remember like vividly. This was the first time this kind of happened to me. So before Tequila came out, speaking of 38, we were down there. We were staying at Chris and Hillary's house, Hillary Scott's house. And. <clears throat> I'd come with my in-laws. So I'm playing for my sister-in-law. She's always been a great, like, 
uh, test for me. I'll play new songs for her and be like, what do you, she's just a country listener, you know? So I played her four or five songs. We've been, you know, whatever. And I'm just playing acoustic and I got done with tequila and she was like, you did not write that song. And I was like, I mean, yeah, I did. But it wasn't even like my most, I wasn't even most excited about that song. It's like just how we, you know, and that was like October or so. And I was like, yeah, I think it's actually the next Dan and Shay single, you know, like, which is crazy, you know? Um, but was it no, the first one off that project? Because I, mean, I guess, it was the first one off that project. Which, I remember the new the, the new aesthetic with that song. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All the symbols mm-hmm. and all that. Yeah, that. I mean, props to Dan and Shay and Rohan Coley over at Warner. Like Rohan had just signed on. Him and Dan have been good buddies for a long time. And um, Rohan's first project was basically convincing everyone at Warner that Tequila needed to be the first single. They were not in a stage in their career technically on paper where you could just throw a ballad out as the first single. I don't even know if really anybody's in that stage ever. You know, like it's a tough spot to be in. And Rohan's like, I will put my life on this, which is, a. I mean, he did so much behind the scenes to make that song happen. You just never know like it, but what it did was it set up the rest of the record to be elevated. You know, like if, if it had gone, you know, all to myself first or whatever else, even like it, it would have changed the trajectory of that whole project. So, and yeah, they won the ACM Song of the Year in 2018 or so. Right? Yeah, 2018 or 19. I think. Yeah, yeah, whatever the year. Yeah, yeah. We had lost the CMA and the Grammy and then won the ACM. It was wild. Yeah, I remember when it lost the CMA because I was, I was with Dan. Oh, yeah. It was a dark night. It was a dark night. I And Dan and I are a lot alike, and we are both pretty OCD about mm. different things. Dan's OCD. Like crazy. Oh, yeah. I, I'm OCD oh, yeah. like crazy. He's OCD like crazy. Oh, yeah. And I respect it and love it, and but get it. That's why we love Dan, yeah. And I remember just going, oh, man. So I, I just I, I reached out that night and I, after we had talked, and I was like, mm. bro, I know it's what I'd be feeling right now. Oh, yeah. And maybe you're not. Maybe you're not. But I, I felt like, that, and I said this in an Instagram even the other day, how Dan and Shay had such a, ma- with you guys, had such a massive collection and it wasn't rewarded when it should have been so then everyone knew it and started to get rewarded afterward later yeah because of because they were that should have been rewarded yeah isn't that always happens in award shows too it seems like like the grammys like somebody will win the next year i firmly believe that's why i haven't won the Nobel peace prize yet i'm st- i need one more year and it's I'm next probably, year dude. yes that's it has to be right you know yeah i think it could happen it, I, I did feel like you guys Hardcore were robbed out of the song of the year there. But again, how mad can you be whenever you're on such a run? Man, I just, you know, I I have said this to other songwriters. It's like winning awards, nobody remembers who won the last year, if we're talking honestly. Nobody gives a crap. Absolutely. But winning is sick. Having an award in your studio, if it helps people like legitimize you or whatever or just trust you more, then that's great. But don't put all your eggs into, (laughs) I've got to win or even I got to win Songwriter of the Year. It's like we're in the age of Ashley Gorley. You're not winning Song of the Year. But someone would say, "Can I counterpoint you?" Yes, because I don't believe in. I believe what you're saying, but I like yeah, counterpoint yeah, yeah. you anyway. Okay, that's cool, Jordan. Uh, you've written all these number one songs, so shut up and tell, telling me what I should be happy with having. <laughs> whenever yeah. you came out of the womb with the number one. Yeah. Ooh, I mean, yeah. I be, by the way, I be, see. That's I don't. Even, I don't even believe what I said right there. But I was just. No, it's good to have the counter. I mean, yeah. But it's. I think sometimes seek validation from what I would consider respected peers 
Yeah. And I think, because you're right, nobody remembers the awards. They honestly mm. don't. It's always easier when, and of course, yeah, a winner saying, oh, award shows don't matter. It's like, well, easy for you to say. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. And it's like me trying to host the CMAs. I'm like, eventually they got to give it to me. And, and so many people, big folks, it doesn't matter. Nobody cares. But I'm like, no, no. Mm. That's been that's been what I've been working toward forever. But it's a personal thing, right? <laughs> and it does always seem to go that you don't know what you got. No, that like you, you know, once you get the the validation, say you're a country artist, you get the validation of country radio. Bobby Bones is on your team and he's playing your music. Rarely, actually, does that line up with a lot of the award show nods. Now, maybe ACMs are a little more like commercial friendly yes. kind of vibes, especially Grammys. No like, way, yeah. Dan and Shay, the fact that they get nominated for Grammys and have radio success is like, that's a, it's a unicorn, you know, like usually one comes without the other. It's just almost you have to have such unparalleled success. Oh, yeah. To, to even be in the Grammy slash commercial. Oh, yeah. And, and they've done it. And it's super it's crazy, cool. yeah. Yeah, it's super cool. Are you, because when I think of you, I obviously know all the songs that you've written for Dan and Shay because of my personal relationship with that group. Yeah. Are you, in a lot of people's minds, the guy, the Dan and Shay team guy? It's a great question. Man, I, like, me and my publisher talk about that stuff. We kind of, like, early on, because I also do tracks, and I was like, I don't want to be another track boy, you know? Uh, I want to be, I want people to know that I'm a songwriter, all these things. I think we were just very intentional early on about going, we're going to get in a lot of different camps. We're going to really like try to spread this out. And I think I, I, I kind of pride myself in being able to be a chameleon in like whatever room we're in, you know? So I think I'm sure there are like people who are surprised when they come in and like, oh, I thought you were just like the pop country dude. And we write like a super country song or something, you know, like. I think that has definitely been a fear of like, I don't want to just be the pop country dude, especially in a time where pop country is not cool right now, <laughs> you know, seemingly. It's like, I think in the writer's room, you know, just having those relationships with the writers, I don't think that's necessarily, I could be wrong though. That could be the eternal optimist in me. <laughs> you know, it's funny about pop country and you're right, but it still circles all the way back to what we were talking about a minute ago or 45 minutes ago is that, okay, pop country, let's say it's not cool because it's not cool. However, yeah, yeah. just like I said, there's no sensible, it's still the most consumed. Mm. It's still, but nobody's coming up going, I'm a huge fan. It's like The weekend. You ever meet somebody that's like, I'm the biggest The weekend fan? No. But you know who streams like crazy? The freaking the weekend. weekend. I looked up uh, uh, Khalid the other day. Like, I don't feel like I've heard, I mean, you have heard his songs recently, but like, he has like 50 million monthly listeners on Spotify. There are a lot of people who love it. But there's just no need for them to scream because they don't feel like anybody is doing them a disservice. Yeah, definitely. And like they already, pop country was already on top. It's like you don't have to root, you know, like we don't have to know that you're a fan of Alabama. You know what I mean? Not this year, obviously. But like if you've already done it, you're like, yeah, you've already done it. It's like we talk about with kids. When you have your first kid, people are like, oh my gosh, we're so excited. You announce you're having your second kid. They're like, okay, cool. You yeah, already had a kid. <laughs> You know, like, that's just going to happen. Did you get to meet Dolly? No, I didn't. Josh Kerr did. He, like, I think he got to track her on the thing. But no, it would have been sweet. It would have been. Well, it still could happen. It's amazing to me that she won a Grammy and didn't even show up. I mean, that's it. That's a power move, you know? You get no more powerful than Dolly. It's, it's phenomenal. Are you gonna, I respect it. Are you going to go? Uh, yeah, we'll go. Have you 
you've been every time you've been nominated? Yeah. Is it, it was, pretty, is it a pretty cool trip, though? Is it, dude, it's one of the coolest trips. Yeah. The last one was weird because it was 2020 and Kobe died that day in oh, LA. That day? It was, it was literally, crazy. we were in the elevator, like going down to the main spot, and it was like, Kobe Bryant has died in a helicopter crash outside of LA. We're like, what? So we won a Grammy in the pre televised thing. We walk outside, and there's just thousands of people out there. Just surreal. Like, but man, LA is such a magical place. I love going out there, and yeah, it's just such a fun thing. How do you not write the same song? Mm. You got to find ways to be inspired by new things. That's what, like what I was saying earlier. Of like, I can't just write super country songs, or I can't just write pop country, or I can't just write pop or Christian. It's like you have to have a well balanced diet, and that like inspiration is just like everything. You know, like when you're trying to get a hit. If you're not inspired by the idea you're writing in the room, or if it doesn't make you just go like, oh my gosh, like, let's just chase it till we do find that. So, I mean, that that's the easiest way, like finding new sounds, writing on different guitars. I mean, but also still borrowing, you know, like you, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, like borrow the things that did work and transplant those into the new songs, you know, like. Do you ever find yourself inadvertently, pardon the word, stealing a song from yourself? Oh, definitely, yeah. And you 100%. have to go, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. yeah, that's me, but I, I can't, oops. Oh, 100%. I mean, yeah, I'm typically the first person in the room to be like, even if I don't know what it is, I'm like, doesn't that sound like something? And shouldn't we be careful, you know? Um, but yeah, it's just natural. I mean, we only have so many things in our brain that our brain naturally goes to, you know? Are you constantly thinking of song concepts, titles, and or melodies? Always trying to think of concepts. I mean, to me, that is the basis of all music, but specifically country music. Like, that's the inspiration point, you know? What is the concept that you knew immediately, kept, savored, treasured, and it turned out to be something? Dude, this is going to sound like I'm making this up or like rose-colored glasses, whatever. I had the idea for tequila. I had When I Taste Tequila. And there's only been a couple of those moments that I was like, this is definitely a song. I had that. And then um, in the same time period, I had an idea called What Keeps You Up at Night that was on the Dana Shea record. That was like the only outside song on that. Like you just get a feeling because it feels like I can already see the song. Like I can see the whole thing from looking at the title. Um, I, it wasn't my title, but 10,000 Hours was like that for me. Dan said that title. We did like a writing trip before the Grammys in L.A., I guess in 2019, whatever year it was. And he had thrown out that title in the room and nobody bid on it. And I was like, dude, I am obsessed with that title. I forgot about it. Like three months later, we're writing with Jesse Joe Dillon. And Dan was like, ah, I've got this title, 10,000 hours. And I was like, do we have to write that? Like that is, that is a smash. I don't even know. I, however way we do that, like we will make sure it's right. You know, like, but there's only a few of those kind of songs. I feel like. In every pair of Tacova's boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. A great pair of Western boots will elevate a casual look or add a refined flair that'll draw both eyes and compliments. Tacova's boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they'll last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tacova store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. 
They offer custom branding and leather stamping if you want to personalize your boots or fine leather goods. And stay cool in short sleeve moisture wicking pearl snap or make your own shade with one of their classic straw hats, new in both men's and women's styles. And if you're planning to hit the road, Tacova's ever-growing lineup of rugged and full-grain leather bags will get you where you're headed in style and are built to last decades. Visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. Tacovas.com. And don't go gently, y'all. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How do the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer shaped the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed as The Boar's Nest, Sue's place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, that's where they would spur each other and tap into something bigger and something realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Backrack as Shel Silverstein and TJ Osborne as Johnny Cash alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the boar's nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The boar's nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. Why do you think certain songs resonate within your with within oneself more than others? Because you're thinking mm. of all of them. Like, what do you think it is? I mean, it could be so many. I think it's nuanced. We haven't said that in a while. I think it's time to bring it back. What's so tricky is like something that really inspires you may not inspire me, or vice versa, um, or you. I might just not catch the vision for it or whatever. But like, I mean. It's probably because it's reminding us of something else we love and we don't quite know it. I mean, most likely. It's like when you see someone on the street and you're like, wow, that person's really attractive. And it's like, oh, it's because it looks like my cousin. Well, that's a weird life you live, <laughs> Jordan. I-, I was trying to pull in the Arkansas thing. Yeah. <laughs> and then you went there. Good, good, good. Uh, you get in a room with a new songwriter. Somebody like, this person's really great. You should spend some time with them. And they say, Jordan, hey, what do I need to know about this town and this like help me out because and, there, and it's somebody that you see is raw but really good. Like what what do you tell that person cuz I'm sure this has happened to you many times. Um what's crazy is you kind of already can tell. And I always felt this way like coming up like people be like, "Oh dude, you're going to have hits. No problem." And I'm like, "Well, that why don't you tell the artist I'm writing with that?" Like I can't get a, you know, hit to save my life. But like there's a certain like personality type and talent level that like even if they're not quite there, you can be like, that person's going to do it. So it's not, it's like less even like giving specific advice. I think about, there's this girl, Mackenzie Carpenter. She's a new um, artist in town. Everybody's been talking about her. She's amazing. And I wrote her the first time and I was just like, yep, she's got it. Like she has, she has the personality to do it. She's got the look. She's got like all the things, amazing writer. And I was like, we don't really have to tell you anything. Just like, Keep your head down and keep writing songs. Don't be, um, don't be upset if you're not getting in the rooms that you want to get in. Um, things that I have to still tell myself is like, sometimes you're still just not ready. That doesn't mean you're not talented enough, but it might mean you don't have the skill set that you need. It's like the amount of times I've written a song and uh, the next week I'm writing with a new artist and I'm like, or with an artist that I've been trying to get in with. It's like, I just learned this little trick that now is going to be in this song. And I'm like, 
ooh, what if I hadn't written this song today to get me prepared for that? Like, that's a close example. But, like, just be okay, like, waiting it out a little bit, if that's what it means. Like, you want people to be excited to get in the room with you. But that's advice. You said you don't have any advice to tell them. And then you said, I don't have anything, but here's what I would say. Well, if but I then had you did some. say it. Yes. <laughs> That's great advice. I lied. Yeah, I definitely lied. What's better is songs? Is it okay to lie here? What's better songs? Yeah. So It is okay to lie, absolutely. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most of this has been a lie. Yeah, this, yeah. By the way. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not even here. This is a recording of me. Mike's pushing a button ball wall, a wall. It is of, impressive. Of sound. Yeah. It is difficult for me to talk to a wall, though. Uh-huh. That is that is difficult. <laughs> but it is impressive, the technology. Um, what was the question? Oh, better songs. Yeah. So, um, started with a buddy of mine who's actually my lawyer. His name's Chase Neely. And I just, like... I love talking about songwriting. I could just talk about songwriting forever. And um, my buddy Chase has actually done this kind of program with a few other people, like authors and stuff, and kind of like the master class kind of feel. But this is ge- geared towards new writers. Um, just like getting your footing and like just going deep into like actual th- things that like you wouldn't have to really tell a new writer who's already signed. It's like going past the point of what you think you need to explain in explaining that stuff. Like, here's rhyme schemes. Here are the simple rhyme schemes. You know, kind of starting in that that world. Um, but I'm just, like, passionate about songwriting. I love songwriting that much. They're like, we're just going to throw a bunch of stuff at you, and you can just talk and talk about songwriting. And I was like, that sounds great. So, yeah, we've been doing it for, it's about a year now. We just kind of started this subscription part of it. But I got to interview a bunch of my good friends and stuff just recently and did, like, a little week-long virtual summit thing. Got to do like podcast kind of thing and talk to all these people about songwriting. It's just so fun for me. I love it. And that's at bettersongs.com? <clears throat> bettersongs.com. What's that going to run me? Uh, for you? No, We'll no, make no. a deal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can also follow on Instagram at better underscore songs underscore. This is a really softball question, but <clears throat> a real answer. What is your favorite song that you've written that you're most proud of? And it, it could be for for success. It could be for something that took you a year to actually finish, or it could be a message. I don't I don't really care. Mm. And I'm actually vamping to give you time to think right now. That's good. Yeah. yeah. It's so it's it's such a broad question. But what's your favorite song that you've written? It's difficult because favorite. You know, like I'm just attaching all these feelings to these things, and the the song talk about a softball answer the song that really i do feel that way about is tequila like it's to me like the best representation of what i love to do you know like and just like simple and make somebody feel something you know like and the fact that it was my first day i feel like people that was always like a fear of mine in a weird way i didn't think about it a lot but like i had buddies who had hits early on and they just like weren't proud of them like, we do, like, writer's rounds, and they're like, ah, I'm not going to play that song. I'm like, dude, it's a hit. People love this. And they're like, ah, I just don't, I don't think it, like, represents me that well. And I was like, ooh, I hope I don't have one of those, you know? So it's so fun, like, having, I feel that way about, I mean, all the hits. But, like, specifically Tequila, it's like, it's just so sick being like, I'm so proud of how this song turned out. Dan crushed the production. Like, the piano thing is my piano that I created in Logic, like, when I first started doing tracks. And now know that, like, that was the reason I created that piano was to be in tequila. You know, like, just wild. You know, that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm super proud of that song. I think I always will be, too. I mean, realistically, and this is not the eternal optimist in me, because even as I'm saying it, I don't believe it. But it's like, when I die, 
it'll probably be like Jordan Reynolds, songwriter of Tequila. You know, like that. Realistically, will probably be it. I don't believe that because I can't exist that way. But um, yeah. Which song was the most tedious to finish of your hits that we would know? That is a great question. Honestly, probably Speechless because we were so into like, the record was already, was already done. The album was done. Like he was about ready to turn it in. Dan texted me at like 9 p.m. on Thursday night. It was like, hey, I got this last idea. I just remember being very, like we combed through that stuff so hard, like just to make sure. Because we were like, I mean, this is our last shot. If, if this is not going to beat anything on the record, this song disappears. So like, let's make sure this is it. I mean, uh, we. it's funny because I try to not think of it as work, you know, so it's hard to remember. And But we've been doing a lot more rights recently where we, break it up into two days and we like let it be tedious you know like in a good way so you don't force all right guys it's three o'clock we we gotta finish it yeah you just purposefully you go we're not gonna finish it today yeah yeah, yeah. oh that's there, yeah i like that there, there's there's been a little too much emphasis on success being finishing a song in a day the efficient yeah. part of me doesn't like it but i like that yeah, the yeah. creative side of me because i'm running dual dual sides here like i'm running business but i'm also like i have to be super creative oh yeah the creative side of me is like Oh, I'm not supposed to finish today. So I just I can relax and get to that place where I'm my most creative. Mm. Like that's great. Oh yeah. And I'm a three on the Enneagram, which is the achiever, which means I like to finish things. Like, and so it's a good exercise for me to go, it's okay to take a break and step away and go, let's hear with fresh ears. Like, does that really hit like we think it's hitting? You know, like how can this be elevated? How can that second verse lyric be? Even better than what we think it is, just from listening again, you know, getting away from it. What do you want to say now about Dan and Shay and music? You've, you've written some stuff. and Yeah, man. I'm, I'm really excited for this new phase for them. I think, like, you know, as things have gotten more country, like, if there is anyone who just is a genius when it comes to figuring out music industry stuff, it's Dan Myers. Like, he's, he's known it, and no, he's not perfect. Nobody's perfect. But, like, he has such a like gauge on what's happening like i think the next album is gonna be so sick he's been playing me stuff and okay i'm glad you said it because i wasn't gonna say anything about record but yeah okay, oh yeah cool cool yeah we're, you're, in the, you're in the mix then good yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i wasn't gonna say that <laughs> or i was gonna then say i'm then, like then i don't take know it man. Out. i haven't uh, talked to dan in weeks we were at a charity event together and he was like yeah we're record you know just so yeah great good things are happening I, I think it's gonna be really good and you know i mean it's so funny thinking about dan and shay like we think of them as pop country. If you go listen to the Dan Chase self-titled album, it's like, it's not really that poppy. It's still full band, and, you know, like, it's just not that big of a departure, but the songs are great, and I think they're fired up. Shay sounds better than he's ever sounded in his life, which is even difficult to believe that he could sound better than he does, but... Are you fired up? Are you excited? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm stoked. I don't want you to give an answer here. Don't be specific, but you ever get a song back that you've written, and you're like, oh, that's what they did with it? Not even them, but anybody. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, I feel it's It's few and far between, thankfully. Um, that's part of the reason I got into doing tracks and stuff was to be able to have a little bit of influence in that world. But, like, I would say, by and large, like, I trust the Nashville producers. And if, like, it, we also have the rapport with now that, like, I think I could, they might ask, like, hey, like, or they're going to ask for tracks. They're going to do something that where I'll still have some influence. I'm not typically worried. There have been a few surprises. <laughs> Uh, you working on anything solo? Uh, I mean, I'm always kind of like dabbling for fun. It's not like the thing I prioritize, really. I've been trying to write solo and think like, what would I just do, you know? 
But in the back of my mind, I'm always like, who could this be for? You know, it's just gotten too easy writing with other people. So now you're you're like leveling up, like going level four Donkey Kong. <laughs> yeah, that's where right. it's I'm gonna write by myself and blindfold with one yeah. ear. Yeah, and yeah, one yeah, hand. yeah, yeah, yes, one yes. Hand. yeah. Well, listen, man, I I'm I'm just I'm a big fan. I'm, I guess I'm a big fan of you personally because I just have so many people that are in both of our, and I don't have a very big circle. I stay pretty Same, private. Yeah, yeah. But when you have a, people that you really value and they also value somebody, mm. you then value them through association. And yeah, just, I appreciate you, that. And just know that that's like a good dude. Yeah. And so you've always kind of been that even though we've not spent any time together. So I was excited that you were coming over today. And Can I tell you the first time I, I, I gained some serious respect for Bobby Bones? I, by the way, I would love to hear this story. I'm always weird about it because I want to hear it, but I don't want to. But I don't because it makes me feel awkward. But no, this is good. Have, this is have, really we, good. have we ever met? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is this is that story. Okay. This is a great story. Okay, I'm ready. And it can be it, tell the whole truth. Even if it doesn't make me look good. I'm, this I'm, makes you look great, honestly. I'm up it makes for you it. look really good. Okay. So week of I mean this was this have been 2018 when that self titled album came out. Dan Shea and Dan and Shea. This is gonna. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. It might might break the uh, the rules here. Okay. See behind the curtain here. But so Dan and Shay were doing a week of album release with Bobby Bones. Album was coming out on whatever Friday. Every day they're coming in and playing. So Dan and Shay asked me, Will you just come play keys with us? We're gonna do like acoustic. Well, we're like, hey, they're actually gonna film the lawn one day. That's the part that no one's supposed to Oh, know. it's okay. All right. Anybody yeah. that listens to this, I'll let them know we record stuff in advance. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's I not appreciate that you though that. saying that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. You can cut it off. So um, we show up with four outfits. You know, it's four days. So we do the first one. I'm wearing like all black. <laughs> and we finish. And we're like, all right, let's get ready for the next one. And uh, I was like, all right, what should I wear? And you kind of chimed in. You're like, man, are you just going to be, you're sitting in the same spot? And I was like, yeah. He's like, you're like, dude, don't worry about it. Just, you can keep the same thing on. I was like, you sure? Like, you're like, dude, yeah, doesn't matter. It's all good. You know, just like totally chill. And I was like, all right, cool. cool, cool. So Dan and Shay change. We get set up. We roll the second one. We're going, it's the next day. You know, it's like, hey, everybody, you know, Bobby Bones here, whatever. We got Dan Shea in again. And they're like, yeah, we're going to play this song, uh, Speechless. We actually wrote with our buddy here. And you go, well, hold on a second. This guy back here, he was here yesterday, right? And uh, they were like, yeah, yeah, he's here. He's like, he's wearing the same outfit <laughs> that he wore yesterday. And I was like, I didn't even have a mic. I couldn't respond. And I was like, you dog. I was like instant respect. That's funny. I was like, man, that that is that's funny. That's next level comedy. That's funny. I mean, I'm laughing at that. I don't remember that. That's funny, bro. It was like, all right, I, I think I could hang with this. I set dude. you up for my own enjoyment. That's <laughs> classic. Me. It was know. awesome. Thank I've told much. that story to a lot of people. That's funny. <laughs> I don't think I knew what to expect. Like, I just, I, I was just like stoked to be there. And so I think the fact that that happened, I was like, man, he's a good dude. He's a good dude. He's got it. He's got it. Oh, I thought it was going to be like me saving a kid from a well or something. Yeah. It turns out it's me messing with him. In uh, a way, you did. Yeah, yeah. that is yeah. that is great. Well, I, you guys follow Jordan. Jordan K. Reynolds. I'm a big fan. You are remarkably warm to be around. Like Thanks, I, man. From, from the minute I walked in and we sat down, I've done this enough times in a, one form or the other. Either I click with someone... I can click with someone, or yeah. I don't, and we get through it. Oh yeah, but Man, like you're, what you're just a talent to have too. Easily, you're just a guy that I think you just like you. Thanks, man. You're super talented. You don't have to be likable. 
Um, I've really enjoyed the last hour. We've, d- we've yeah, done same. it over an hour. I've really enjoyed it. So Yeah, uh, thanks, bro. You wore that last time you were here, though, so it's kind of weird. That you I'll probably wear it again wear the same. Too. Wouldn't that be funny if every time I see him now, he's just in the same clothes <laughs> as, as the long I'll kind of make it a point. I'll keep it with me just in case I run into you. Yeah. What are you doing the rest of the day? Uh, well, we're about to head to Texas so for mm. my sister-in-law's wedding. Oh, okay. So congrats to Caitlin, you know. Well, congratulations. By the time you hear this, you'll be married. Caitlin, Congratulations. I can't believe you're getting married. I knew all these years. <laughs> I, I, said to, I, I said to Jordan, I said, when Caitlin finds him, yeah, yeah, and yeah. when I mean him, I mean... Jack. Jack. You might have even said Jack. Yeah, well, I, I said mean, Jack or... Jackie John, boy. Yeah, ja- yeah. I can't remember. Uh, JJ. Yeah. Um, I knew it was him, Caitlin. And so congratulations. Mm. This is going to last a long time. And wait till you hear the song Jordan wrote just for you. He was playing it for me on the phone. So, <laughs> At uh, the wedding. Have him play. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jordan, thank you, buddy. You guys follow at better underscore songs underscore and at Jordan K. Reynolds. And I think anything else, Mike? I think we're good. All right, we're good. There he is, Jordan Reynolds. In every pair of Tacova's boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. Tacova's boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tacova store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. Visit tacovas.com. That's T E C O V A S.com. And don't go gently, y'all. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines. Plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines. All on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p.